Hey guys, Gordon here. I just want to take a second and thank you for downloading our episode, listening to our episodes, sharing our episodes, tagging us on social media and helping us grow our mission. It means everything to me. And from here uh, to continue growing where we're at, please consider throwing us a small donation just to help grow the mission, support the team, support the infrastructure and continue to build the Permafit name. Thank you all so much. We love you. We'll talk to you soon. What's up, guys, and welcome to the Strength of Body and Mind podcast. My name is Gordon. I'm going to be your host. I'm wicked excited for this episode. This is something that I'm extremely passionate about, and I love everything about fitness and nutrition and strength and body and mindset and all that stuff. I I really do, which is why I do all of this, but there are a couple things in that space, in that industry, in that that subject matter uh, that I just, I get... I get really, really excited to talk about. And it's because I think there's a lot of people, in this case, a lot of people that are struggling are in and around this concept and in and around what I'm about to discuss that I think I can help. Because I've been there, I know plenty of people who have been there, and I know that there's a way out. I know there's a way to get your way, get yourself from uh, maybe a, a place that's like not conducive to your success and not conducive to reaching your goals out of that position into a place where you can actually do the things you want to do and become the person you want to become physically, mentally, strength-wise, speed-wise, flexibility-wise, and all those things, okay? So uh, I don't know what the number of this episode is going to be, but the topic of conversation here is going to be developing a healthy relationship with food. Okay, people that are struggling to reach their fitness goal, struggling to lose weight, in a lot of cases, struggling to put on weight, struggling to make strength gains, build muscle. A lot of times that comes down to just a simple, it's not easy, okay, but it's a very simple concept of having a bad relationship with food. And that could be for a number of different reasons, all right, number of different things. And actually, A bad relationship with food can look very different depending on who you are and the situation that you're in. Um, So anyway, let's, before I get too deep, let me, you know, (laughs) make sure I stay on track here. Uh, So food, right? Having, well, there's a difference between having a, a food addiction, okay? A lot of people think a bad relationship with food or an unhealthy relationship with food and they automatically think food addiction, Okay, that's not always the case. Okay, and there is a, a a massive difference between someone who has a food addiction and maybe someone who has the opposite, which is like someone who's almost scared to eat. Right? Now, there's a lot of like anorexic people, a lot of people that have bulimia issues and other food disorders that you know you may not think about. I guess I'll say it's more common, at least outwardly. Uh, for people to have a bad relationship with food that results in them overeating. That's just like, I guess, the bad relationship that people talk about more. They're more outwardly spoken about it. It seems to be more common, but that's not actually necessarily the case. Okay, there's a substantial amount of people who struggle with the opposite of obesity and the opposite of this uncontrollable craving or uncontrollable 
a series of cravings to eat things that they know they don't need, know they don't want deep down, uh, purely based on taste and other fulfillment reasons. But, you know, as far as the different types of unhealthy relationships with food, okay, I'm going to kind of itemize these here on how I see them. Now, this isn't like a hard and fast list, but this is kind of a, all from all the data I've gathered, people I've talked to, people I've interacted with, and, uh, and people that I know personally who have dealt with some of this stuff, and, and myself included to a lesser extent, you know, these seem to be kind of like the five main reasons why people have um, a, a bad relationship with food. Okay. Uh, one of them, the first and foremost, this is the one that it's, it's actually near, very near and dear to my heart, not because I experienced it, but because I, I think I understand it really, really well now, having talked to and interacted with a lot of people. And that's, that's the bad relationship with food that leads to undereating. Okay, that's people who are self-conscious and have self-image issues to the point where they, they starve themselves. They think that that's the solution. And usually it's because there was at one point a situation where they were overweight. And so they developed this unhealthy relationship to eat less food and eat less often and eat fewer, obviously fewer calories, but drink nothing but water. And what they see over time is that in the mirror, they see themselves losing weight and then they get addicted to that. Okay. So that's, that's what happens. They get addicted to seeing themselves get smaller. They get addicted to seeing their clothes, uh, the size of their clothes get smaller. They have to throw away their bigger clothes and buy smaller ones. And they get addicted to that. It's an addiction. Okay. And that leads to this extremely unhealthy relationship with food where they're only eating like five, six, seven, eight hundred calories a day. And these are adults. And that's a massive problem. Now, on the flip side of that, okay, number two, this is the opposite, which is where people uh, have a bad relationship with food that leads to them overeating. And that can be for a number of different reasons. That can be for the reason of being underweight for a period of time. That does happen. You know, people have a really hard, some people have a really hard time putting on weight when they're like, I don't know, late teenagers, early adults. And so they start eating more and out of, again, out of self-image issues, self-conscious uh, reasons and drivers that maybe all their peers are are bigger or are able to put on more muscle or, you know, maybe they play a sport and they're just severely undersized. So they start eating more and they get in their own head to a point where they're overeating and then they take it way, way, way too far. And they develop this unhealthy relationship with food. And, um, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's not well understood for most people who aren't going through it, but it's a major problem. Now, before I keep going, I, I do want to point out that there's a lot of people who think they have an unhealthy relationship with food, and you know, maybe they do, but it's not the same. Oh, let me, okay. They do have an unhealthy relationship with food, but it's not a food addiction. Okay. They're not addicted to something. And these are people that you might come across that say stuff like, oh, dude, if I have ice cream in the house, I'm going to eat it. I can't not eat it. Or if there's chips in the cupboard and I know they're there, I'm going to eat them. I can't control myself to not eat them. And sometimes that's actually a food addiction or that's actually someone who has a real deep like mental thing going on where they have an unhealthy relationship with food. And sometimes it's just people have 
<laughs> zero interest. They're not unhealthy enough that it's really that big of a deal, but they have zero interest in exercising the discipline to not eat that food and uh, keep themselves on that next level. So, you know, that's not really what I'm talking about. I, I do want to get into that a little bit because I do think that that's a bad relationship with food type of thing, uh, but just to a lesser extent. Okay. Um, so the third one, this is people, this is, this is a group of people or whatever that have a, a, a deep focus on the ingredients and makeup of food. Some people call them snobs, right? It could be snobs, foodies, people who are really, really passionate about like what specifically is in their food. They only like these types of ingredients and these types of ingredients. And, you know, only, I mean, I guess you can take this to the next level and talk about people who only eat free range, like eggs, you know, they come from free range chickens or certain types of, of meat or even non meat eaters like vegans, but only vegans who eat stuff like, you know, that came from this type of farm or whatever. There's, some really, really restricting things there that people have developed their whole eating habits and lifestyle around, which is fine. But the problem with that is that sometimes it leads to this extremely unhealthy relationship with food and it can drive people like batshit crazy if they're only going to eat certain ingredients and certain types of ingredients that came from certain types of farms or certain places in the world and certain types of animals who are raised by farmers who only treat their animals a certain way. And that causes them to change their lifestyle to something like this. Now they can't go out to restaurants or very, very, very few restaurants. And if they do go out, they have to be extremely selective about what they can eat. And then that can carry over into how they hang out with their friends and hang out with their family. And all of a sudden they're experiencing all these weird, social engagements that go less than perfect because people start to think they're weird or they start to think they're weird internally and it spirals out of control a little bit and it's all based around this unhealthy relationship with food and people have their own beliefs I understand that and I respect that I think it's a beautiful thing I think people should have their own beliefs and their own reasons for doing things uh but I just think sometimes people need to maybe take a closer look and take a really, really deep, um, detailed analysis and inventory as to why they make certain decisions and why they do what they do. And maybe there's some ways to tweak and adjust so that their life isn't solely controlled by food and how their food was prepared and where it came from. And they can actually enjoy eating again and enjoy life socially again, that especially since food is such a big part of our everyday life and how we interact with people. Okay. So the, uh, the fourth type, and this one is a little bit next level, but it is real. Um, and this is people who have an unhealthy relationship with food based on their macronutrient profile or more specifically how they're constructed macronutrient nutritionally. In other words, um, people who have an unhealthy relationship with food that is heavily fat-based or heavily carbohydrate-based or heavily protein-based, that is a real thing, okay? There are, um, there's a lot of people, especially those who have started off in their fitness journey and they started trucking along and they, they developed some success and they learned about macros and then they became obsessed 
with macros and they became obsessed with food and they, that's fine for a while. That's fine that they are like just so over the top enthusiastic about it that they, they generate this obsession on making their diet perfect. Some people do that and I understand, but when they take that obsession, that initial obsession and excitement and enthusiasm to this level where they are dictating every decision that they make throughout their day and where they're going to be at at certain parts of the day and who they're going to hang around with based around what (laughs) macro-friendly food they can have access to, that becomes unhealthy. That starts to affect their lives in ways that is unhealthy, socially, family-wise, and more importantly, mindset at a personal level wise. And that's a major problem. Okay. And it's something that's probably even more rare than say, uh, the people who talk about like under eating and they're, you know, obsessed with under eating. Um, but it's real. And again, it's, you, you start to see that most of the time in the fitness culture, And uh, it's very real. So like a lot of people in the bodybuilding and fitness competition and bikini competition type, um, type of, of industries and spaces and and populations, they, that's where this sort of thing becomes a little bit more prevalent. Okay. And, uh, but it's a real thing. Now the fifth one is also very near and dear to my heart, uh, because I do have someone in my family that has to go through this every single day and the, the battle to for this thing to not become a food obsession or an unhealthy relationship with food has been it's been a real battle it's been real so uh, and that is allergy based okay obviously there's people with extreme allergies like nut allergies where if they come in contact they could potentially die right it's fatal that's a big deal and that I understand and that I respect and everybody seems to know at least one person with a nut allergy and that's th- for obvious reasons they have a little bit of a of an obsession about where they're eating and who is in proximity to them when they eat and all that stuff and where their food's been i get that 100% um but taking it to the next level stuff that's not fatal uh like celiac gluten allergies things like that um you know that's a that's a real thing and people can absolutely obsess over it. And some people who don't understand it and don't respect it and appreciate it enough aren't going to give those people necessarily the, the respect that they deserve on that matter. So uh, when it comes to gluten, when it comes to a wheat allergy, right, or a celiac disorder, right, which is celiac disease, these are things that affect the gut in ways that result in all the indigestion things that you are probably imagining. And, you know, like, this could be the result of eating wheat. So any kind of bread, or any kind of like cookie, or any kind of cereal, just about, um, or any, any kind of, um, uh, well, most chips, tortillas, uh, anything with wheat, beer, right? You just go down the list. Um, this is a, <laughs> this is something that is widely misunderstood to the point where I actually feel like, like not enough respect is paid to it. And it's, it's because it's not understood enough. People hear gluten-free and they hear snob. They hear asshole, you know, they hear hipster, (laughs) they hear stuff like that. But in reality, gluten-free 
could very well be the result of a decision made by someone who has celiac disorder. And if they ingest gluten, then they could have um, a, a reaction that could send them to the hospital. I mean, it could be pretty bad. It could be, these are gut reactions. These are things like, well, it's everything you'd imagine, right? So you, you basically take the worst possible case of stomach-related issues you can imagine and magnify it, amplify it, and crank that up to like level 11. That's what happens to people with celiac disorder when they ingest a, a mouthful of something that has a ton of wheat in it, wheat flour. Uh, so it's a real problem. And People who have celiac disorder and who have a real gluten-free, uh, a real gluten allergy, they tend to become obsessive about what they eat and when they eat and uh, where their food came from and who prepared it, and they develop an unhealthy relationship with food. And there's just there's <laughs> there's really nothing to say more about about how they generated that because it's it's real. Anyone who has an allergy is going to be a little bit obsessive about what they eat and when they eat and where they eat it. And and that's okay, but the problem is it creates this unhealthy relationship and now their whole day, every single day is based around food. It's based around what they're eating and where they're eating and when they're eating and how they're getting their hands on that food and uh it's it's, it's unfortunate, but it's, it's something that really needs to be drawn to light. So allergies is kind of my fifth one. Those are, those are sort of like, I don't know, the five categories of people who have an unhealthy relationship with food that I have come across. So since this whole podcast is really about achieving fitness goals and uh, dialing in your nutrition to get where you want to go, I wanted to bring this up because I want to address that Yes, in in general, a bad relationship with food is a bad thing. That's something that we want to fix. That's something we want to address. We need to address. And it really needs to be addressed before trying to take on any kind of massive lifestyle nutritional change or massive lifestyle fitness uh, type of change. Okay? But... It doesn't mean it needs to be 100% fixed, 100% repaired, or 100% addressed uh, to the point where it's eliminated you know, completely from being a bad part of your life. It doesn't mean it has to be completely fixed before you go on to do those things, but it does need to be addressed. And part of fixing a bad relationship with food um, can be actually woven in in parallel kind of to generating that fitness uh, fit kind of strength building um, healthy lifestyle. They can, they can run in parallel. And that's if you have an unhealthy relationship with food right now and you have an interest in doing other things in your life to get more fit, more active, build strength, build muscle, things like that, you can do both of those things at the same time. So how do you develop a healthy relationship with food? Okay, well, before you know, we go into that. Um, I just want to remind everybody who's listening. I had an awful relationship with food. I had a terrible relationship with food. I mean, it wasn't even that long ago that I started to really figure it out, like maybe a couple of years. Uh, and so I understand it. Okay. I used to eat everything, <laughs> everything. Um, I was probably eating five, six, seven, eight thousand calories a day. Uh, for uh, for years. And there was a reason I was 70, 80 pounds overweight. And when I say 70, 80 pounds overweight, 
you know, I was 240 knocking on the door of 250 um, at five foot, 11 inches and change. And I didn't play a sport or anything. It's not like I was hiding all of that underneath like a lot of muscle because I was a linebacker in football or anything like that. No, no. I played guitar. I was an engineering student. I didn't move. I played uh, World of Warcraft. Okay. I didn't, I didn't do much. Um, but I happened to be carrying around an extra 70, 80 pounds because I thought that was a good idea. I don't, you know, I just ate. That's what it was. I don't know. My decisions seemed like the right decisions at the time. Kind of, you know, they made me happy. I had an unhealthy relationship with food. So it wasn't uncommon for me to wake up on like a random Tuesday before class in college and go and eat, uh, like sausage and eggs and, um, hash browns and English muffins and orange juice and coffee, you know, and just load up my plate and then go to class and then get out of class and have a snack of something like a bagel, you know, like a bagel is a good snack to have (laughs) and then go to class again or whatever, come out and have lunch and have my lunch would be a couple of cheeseburgers and some fries and maybe a, a milkshake or an ice cream bar or something. Go back to class, get out, have another snack go to class, get out and then go get like a pizza and drink, you know, some beer or whatever. And then, uh, do my homework. And then late at night, order another pizza or late at night, order a steak and cheese sub and fries. Like that was my lifestyle back then. Okay. Um, I remember when I started lifting weights, I thought it'd be a good idea and necessary for me to go to this burrito place by my college and get two, of these 1200 calorie burritos. I thought that was a good idea. I thought because I was lifting a lot of weight that this was true, by the way, I was you know, 20 years old or something, 21. Um, I didn't understand anything back then, but I thought it'd be a good idea and a necessary idea for me to eat 2400 calories worth of burritos and in one meal, in one sitting. Why? I don't know. Because again, I just thought it was a good idea. I didn't research anything. I didn't listen to any podcasts. I didn't look up anything about nutrition. I didn't understand anything. All I did was make up these ideas in my head. And that was all based around having a bad relationship with food. Okay. I didn't want to just have one burrito. I was working out. Therefore, I justified having two burritos, two of these massive burritos. And, uh, you know, I like the satisfaction in the form of how good food tastes, right? Tastes good, makes you feel good for a minute. And uh, so I just, I was addicted to that. Um, Now, the way to develop a healthy relationship with food is to not eliminate your favorite food. Okay, that is not the way to develop a healthy relationship with food. What you do need to do is to set up boundaries. And those boundaries are called macros. Okay, there's a strategy for this. Macros, macronutrients, uh, first of all, we talked about this in episode seven. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to episode seven. Uh, Macros have gotten a lot of negative press lately. I feel like people are viewing macros and counting macros and tracking macros and looking at macros. They're, they're, They're thinking of this and they're looking at it as this really constricting thing that creates bad relationships with food. I see it as the complete opposite. I see macros and understanding of macros as the way to develop 
a healthy relationship with food. I think if everybody had an understanding and an education on macros, which doesn't take that long, by the way, to do, uh, that they would live their best lives nutritionally and health-wise because you don't need to eliminate food and you don't need to live every single day to a single calorie, single carbohydrate gram uh, based like like uh, you know prison. You're not you're not living inside that cell um, of those of those numbers, right? When I say set up boundaries, I mean you set up some some general boundaries and then you live inside those boundaries. Um, but that doesn't mean you need to give up your favorite foods. All right. I did not give up any of my favorite foods. I still eat all the same stuff I ate in college. I just do it in moderation. Okay. Portion control. I don't go way above and beyond. And if I do feel extra hungry, I have ways of dealing with that where I eat like excessive amounts of things that are uh, extremely healthy for you or, you know, not calorically dense and, you know, I drink more water. Anyway, there's ways to do it. And I am a prime example of someone who loves food and I eat food a lot and I love good tasting food. Uh, I love all the worst food that's out there for you. I'm not a foodie. Okay. I'm not, I'm not a snob. Um, I'm not picky, right? I love diner food and like, you know, local greasy pizza just as much as I love extremely refined food and, you know, $70 steaks and stuff like that from expensive steakhouses. I love food. Okay. But I have found a way to enjoy food and also lose weight and build muscle and get fit. Okay. And I'm 33 years old. All right. I'm nothing special. And, uh, if I can do this, you can do this. So, uh, let's talk about the positives of macros, right? Real specifically. Um, I like to use them as a guideline, okay? A guideline, and I like to put a tolerance on that guideline. Now, I can't tell you, like I talked about in episode seven, I can't tell you, nobody can tell you, actually, what your exact macros are for your maintenance. Like, you know, if you eat just these things that you'll maintain whatever weight you're at when you started. Um, I can't tell you what those are. I also can't tell you what your cutting macros are, which would be if you stick to that cutting macro value, you will lose weight. And I can't tell you what your bulking macro value will be, which means if you eat uh, those bulking macro numbers that you'll you'll put on weight. Um, that's different for everybody. Now, I can tell you approximately what it would be probably uh, through some calculations, but it really is going to come down to you testing and tweaking. So, um, you know, I'm not going to go into how you calculate that here. So you can go look some of that stuff up and, you know, we can talk about it. You can hit me up if you'd like. But uh, once you have those numbers kind of established, right, then you can start to live inside of those boundaries. And it doesn't have to be day to day. This is where most people mess up. Okay. It doesn't have to be uh, every single day. Okay. Meaning when you set up macros, when you understand that your macro, let's just say your weight loss macronutrient numbers come in at something like 2,200 calories, 2,100 calories. Okay. We're going to stick with 21 for this. And, uh, the macros are whatever they are, right? 200 something grams of protein, 200 grams of carbs. I don't know, 50 grams of fat. I'm just making this up. I really didn't do the numbers. Right. Uh, but anyway, around that, okay. Around 2,100 calories. That's on average. Okay. That's on average. Now, if your number is 2,100 calories, okay, there is nothing wrong with taking in 2,000 calories on Monday, 
all right, 2,100 calories on Tuesday and then 2,200 calories on Wednesday and then 2,100 calories again on Thursday. There's nothing wrong with that. And if you look over a seven-day span, if you're averaging 2,100 and there's no real crazy transient spikes throughout that, you know, throughout the, the week, then you're going to be just fine, okay? You, what The biggest mistake people make when they start talking about macros and tracking macros is that, is that they think they need to absolutely hit every single calorie and every gram of fat, uh, carbohydrates, and protein on that day. And if they, if they mess that up for one day, that the whole thing has gone to shit. That's absolutely not the case, okay? That's one of the biggest reasons why people fail when they start uh, tracking macros. Macros are supposed to be guidelines, Okay, and you want to stay in those guidelines. You want to try to get close, but you can't use it as like this letter of the law thing where if you violate it, you've gone and, and fucked up the whole system because that, that's just a sh- like a sure way to absolutely crush everything that you've worked towards mentally. Okay, so I want to give you an actual strategy right now. This is an actual strategy. This will work if you follow this strategy you will absolutely lose weight, change your lifestyle, okay, and set yourself up to absolutely dominate, okay? It's proven. It works. I've done it. I still do it, and I promise you it'll get you where you want to go, okay? It goes like this, and I've talked about everything here in the past, I think, um, but I'm going to lay it all out in a sequential order, okay? There's some stuff at the end that's incredibly important, but anyway, Number one, start incorporating new habits one at a time. This is something that most people just don't do. And because they don't do it, they think they can go cold turkey from some horrible lifestyle that's like full of bad food and bad decisions and all this extra stuff uh, to one that's completely the opposite and, and, and do well. And that's just not the case. So you have to start incorporating new habits one at a time, slowly naturally. Okay. And some of these habits that I think are incredibly important for everybody to incorporate are drinking water. Okay. A habit should be throughout the day, every day, drinking water at certain times, maybe, or, you know, upon waking and then at lunch and then in the afternoon and then at dinner and then after dinner, like there should just be a, a high consumption of water every single day. And this, is, this goes for every single human being. There's no reason why you would want to not drink water. And there's no one on this planet who would drink more water and feel bad as a result. Okay, water makes up so much of your body. It helps so much. And it helps in ways that I can't really describe. Um, but it, it helps with, with everything related to weight loss and everything that we talk about here. Okay, that should be like the number one habit that everybody does. Everybody changes. The problem is most people won't. Anyway, the second one, okay, uh, a second habit that I think everybody should incorporate is smaller portions, okay, smaller portions. This is something that especially if you are overweight and trying to lose weight, smaller portions is a way to get there, okay? And um, this is something that's incredibly difficult for a lot of people, but if you cut your portions down, right, starting small, starting at maybe cutting them down by 25%, or, or even less than that, maybe 20%. And then after a few weeks or a month, cutting it down uh, by another 20%, right? You'll see dramatic results. And the reason for that is you're changing your net, net calorie in, calorie out, all right? Now you combine that with drinking more water 
then you're going to see ridiculous results. And those are very simple things. All right. A third one is to not drink your calories. Guys, you don't need to drink your calories. Now there are, there's drinks out there that have calories in them that I like to. All right. But in general, nine out of 10, 9.9 out of 10 things that I drink have zero calories. And that comes a lot from drinking more water. That comes from drinking my calorie, my uh, coffee black. All right. Um, and yeah, I know that has like 10 calories in it or something, but it's essentially calorie free. But if you drink your calories, you're only hurting yourself. So if you can find a way to not drink your calories, no more soda, uh, no more heavy cream in your coffee, stuff like that, you'll again see massive, massive changes. Massive. I can't even tell you how significant the changes will be in what you'll see on the weight side and mindset side if you stop drinking your calories. And the fourth one, guys, the fourth habit that I uh, implore everybody to incorporate into their daily habits their daily routine is to take in little or no sugar, especially refined sugar. Okay, you already take in carbohydrates, and those carbohydrates are going to break down into sugars in your body, and your body's going to use them for energy. But if you just take on like just big balls of sugar, like in the form of candy and ice cream and stuff like that, uh, cookies, you're doing yourself zero favors. You're getting the taste, which is fine. You're gonna, you know, get a momentary. Um, like thing where you, you feel, you feel good because you ate something that tastes good, right? That happens. But beyond that, you're doing way more harm for your body. Now, if you can incorporate those four habits, more water, smaller portions, not drinking your calories and taking in little or no sugar on a daily basis, you will see ridiculous results. And this is something that so few people do. And if you actually do it, I promise you, if you actually do it, you'll see ridiculous results. Everything that you had in mind of how you wanted to look and how you wanted to feel starts with these things, okay? And no matter how hard you train in the gym, you'll never be able to out-train not doing these things, okay? So that's number one, is doing those four things. Number two, setting up your macros. Put a small percent error on them, maybe like a 5% margin or something. Test and tweak it over time and stick within those on average, okay? That's number two. Number three, Repeat steps one and two, guys. That's it. Repeat steps one and two. Set up those habits and set up your macro boundaries and stay within them. And then that's it. You follow those over and over and over and over again. The only other thing you need to do besides repeat those is number four. And this might be the most important. And that's you got to be patient. You got to be patient and you can't let what anyone else thinks, says, or 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 yells or writes or talks about you uh, bother you. You just can't, right? Other people's opinions of how you look or the lifestyle changes that you're making or, you know, you're boring now because you won't go out to the bar and you won't drink a shitload of beer or you're boring now because you won't like go to this, I don't know, pizza joint and, and choke down a bunch of pizzas with your friends anymore. Like you can't let that shit bother you, okay? And once you cannot let that bother you and you are your own critic, like you will, you will be in control. That's what's going to allow you to dominate because then now you can be less, you can be less hard on yourself, right? When you know that you're making all the right decisions, you won't be so hard on yourself. When you can actually look someone else in the eye and say, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to eat that. I don't want to drink that because I don't like the way it makes me feel. Now you're in control. And when you're in control, 
that just completely feeds the mindset. So all the positivity, all the confidence, all the self-worth, everything will spawn from that. Okay. So this is the four step process, guys. This is the strategy to getting your body in check to fix your bad relationship with food and dominate your fitness goals. All right. It's, I promise you again, you can't out train all of your food intake and all of your food relationship, uh, stuff. You just can't, this is the backbone of everything. Um, so I promise you, Incorporate some of this stuff into your lifestyle and you'll see a massive, massive change. And if you have anybody in your life, anybody at all, that has a a relationship issue with food, whether it's a good relationship or a bad relationship, send this podcast to them, have them check it out, and um, it's basically bringing a friend, right? Telling a friend, I'm asking you to tell a friend. And, uh, if you got any value out of this whatsoever, please leave me a review in iTunes and a rating. That means the world to me, honestly. And I think that I can help so many people that have issues like what I had in college and what I'm still kind of always battling with. Uh, I think I can help those people. So with your help, I can spread the word and reach more people in order to help them. So with that, guys, I'm going to wrap this up. Thank you so much again, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Peace.